Hello, and welcome back to Tagus. That's the art of getting your shit together. This is Lindsay Danielson, one of your co-hosts, and I have a question for you. Have you recently embarked on a big decision and are concerned that maybe it was the right one? Or are you thinking about making a big change and you want a little bit of reassurance that you're on the right path? Or maybe you just want a little bit of clarity that, am I where I should be? Like, am I right now where I need to be? You know, and what's coming up for me? You know, we all wish that we could see into the future and know that every decision that we make is the right one. But there are tools that are out there that can help us ensure that we are, in fact, guiding our boat to where we want to go and not letting it just drift off and ending up in a place that we do not want to be. If you've asked yourself any of these questions and you're curious about whether or not you are on the right path, this is absolutely the episode that you need to listen to. Jen Stone, who is the founder and owner of Feng Shui by Jen, is incredible. She brings a tremendous amount of knowledge and expertise in her field of Feng Shui and Bazi readings. It is unmatched. Now, I met Jen years ago at a funeral summit. Yes, a funeral summit. And she actually helps our company ensure that our cemetery development is, so to say, up to code with the Chinese-specific sections in our cemeteries. So some interesting bits there. However, Jen can help you, whether it's in your professional life or your personal life, she has something that can help you. I swear it. So here's a little something about Jen. Like I had said, she is the founder and owner of Feng Shui by Jen, and she provides a comprehensive classical Feng Shui consulting service for both residences and commercial spaces. Jen represents the prestigious Raymond Lowe School of Feng Shui and Destiny that's in Hong Kong and teaches a five-day Feng Shui practitioner's training program in North America and overseas. This includes Dubai, Tokyo, Istanbul, and Hong Kong. Program certificates are co-signed by Grandmaster Raymond Lowe and Jen and endorsed by the International Feng Shui Association, which is in Singapore. Known for her dynamic, honest, and refreshing teaching style and no-nonsense approach, Jen has garnered a demand for educational talks on many Chinese metaphysical subjects with an emphasis on debunking and demystifying popular Western myths and misconceptions around feng shui which has led to her appearances in numerous prints and TV interviews. You guys, there is so many misconceptions about feng shui. It's not just little trinkets here and making sure things are facing a certain way. There is so much more to it. And Bazi is incredible. I can't wait for you to learn about it. Anyway, a couple more things about Jen because she's so incredible. Jen publishes a triannual magazine called Feng Shui Journal which aims to highlight and feature industry professional students and enthusiasts with special topics on feng shui, bazi, Chinese medicine, face readings, and more. Her book, The First Guide for Feng Shui Enthusiasts, is available on amazon.com. That link will be in the show notes. In 2016, Jen was awarded the prestigious title of Accredited Feng Shui Master by Asia's International Feng Shui Association, making her the first and only professional to hold the title in North America. Amazing. And most notably, Jen was hand-selected by Grandmaster Lowe to be his official representative of the Raymond Lowe School of Feng Shui and Destiny in the United States, an honorary title not held by anyone else in the U.S. For everyone listening, she is the real deal. There is not one person more knowledgeable or experienced that can help you through any of these processes, and you do not even have to live where she lives to reap the benefits of her mastery, you can also opt in for online consulting. She has clients all over the world and they are all reaping the benefit of working with her. I can't say this enough. Enjoy this episode. You're going to love this one. She is a light in this world. Here is Jen Stone. Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. Well, hello. Today we have an amazing guest, 
Jen Stone, the owner of Feng Shui by Jen. And she's going to tell us, she's doing a happy dance right now on the screen. <laughs> um, she's going to share all the amazing things she brings to the world and the impact that she has with the people that she works with. And I met Jen. I had the privilege of meeting Jen a couple years ago at a funeral director summit. Yes, that is a thing. We have summits for funeral directors. <laughs> um, but she shared some of the history of feng shui, how, um, how she really got into this and how she became a practitioner. And also, it's interesting how Jen can utilize this in all areas of life, not just your personal life and work, but she does her magic at our cemeteries. So people have a beautiful feng shui uh, resting spot for eternity, right? So welcome to the podcast, Jen. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. I will have to say that going to the funeral summit, actually, the people who work at funerals are actually the happiest and most joyful people that I've ever met. So <laughs> I know. It's great. I think I think it gives perspective, right? So I think you have to be a little bit, you know, there's the old cliche saying, you know, we bring the fun and funeral, that whole deal. But we really, we really are. And I always got for years and years, you know, you don't look like a funeral director. You don't seem like someone that would do that. Like, well, what do you want me to be? Who who do you expect me to be? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm glad that you had a good time and and yes. had that experience. So as mentioned in your intro, our listeners heard a little bit about how you got into this and working with um, Grandmaster Raymond Lowe. But can I give us a little more of a background on how your career blossomed in feng shui and how your consulting uh, business began? Well, it's wonderful to be here and to share my stories. Um, you know, I didn't set out to be a feng shui master or feng shui consultant. You know, it was not even near my horizon. Um, I talk a lot about sort of my pre-feng shui life and my post-feng shui life. And the pre-feng shui life was very much like, you know, my family immigrated to the States when I was a teenager. I grew up, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, and so at 14, you you still have a very clear uh, memory of being brought up, right? And then also at that tender age of learning to assimilate to a new country. So it's very different than if you were immigrated at three, right? So um, who knew that later on, I would end up sort of merging the East and the West together. But I went to college, got an accounting degree. Yep, accounting, you got that right. Um, I was a CPA and worked my way up. I, I was a forensic auditor. So what is a forensic auditor? Forensic auditor is basically you're involved in investigating white collar crimes, but you're not the FBI, okay? So I wanted to be the FBI and carry a gun. Um, but they were like, yeah, you're too young and you have poor vision. So I basically nurtured a 12 your corporate career, just working my way up into super male dominated, very corporate environment. And I was great at what I did, you know, but the predominant thing about that was that my job was to solve the mystery, right? It's to solve the puzzles. And um, really how the feng shui world came about was, uh, I think it happens to a lot of us at some point or another, is when you're at a crossroad, you know, when you start to really ask yourself, is this it? Is there, is this all there is to it? And it took another three years before it really manifested in terms of what was the next path that I needed to take. And quite honestly, when that path became clear, I mean, it was all or nothing. There was no way for me to go back. My heart was no longer in it. Um, and so I full on just quit a six, you know, figure job and embarked on this journey that nobody understood. <laughs> like, how do you earn a living when nobody even knows what you're talking about? And quite honestly, even in my own journey, I wasn't sold. I wasn't sold at it at all. I didn't believe in it. I was like, what is this? How am I supposed to charge people money, you know, if I don't even believe in this? And certainly learning about classical feng shui in America is like, I don't know, trying to learn Chinese medicine in like, I don't know, in your basement somewhere. But I had a really difficult time. And so it really wasn't until 
I ended up going back to my birth country in Hong Kong and connected with Grandmaster Raymond Lowe when everything fell into play, you know, and, and he certainly changed my life in terms of helping to train me, becoming his apprentice, traveling with him for three years and really um, not just learning it, but really embodying it. And so when you say uh, we apply this to all areas of life. Yeah, I certainly practice what I preach. And I've certainly seen firsthand what these beautiful modalities can do to help people live just happier lives. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but I think we need a little cheesy, you know, but it's true. Um, but there's also that beautiful and mysterious thing about understanding energy and destiny and free will. You know, it's not a one size, you know, fits all cookie cutter solution to if you're having relationship problems or you're just not sure is this the path that you're being called to. And after, you know, walking this walk for, again, almost a dozen years, it's been such a pleasure for me to still be in awe of what people could do um, in terms of the grace, the courage that they get to do. And so that's what I think fuels my, my work today. So that's that. <laughs> I love that. I love that you talk about the courage, but it took you a lot of courage to really transition and fully immerse yourself into your practice. And I think it's so interesting that, and, you know, it, it goes back to what we hear a lot of times. It's like, none of us really know and maybe none of us really know what we're doing sometimes. And we just kind of have to figure it out as we go along, just like what you were saying, where you're doing, you're like, I don't even, I'm not really even sold on this, but you know, I have the faith to just figure it out and see what this is about. So that's amazing. I mean, I, I remembered when I gave in and when I gave my resignation, right. My, my actually I gave them a month because I was, you know, pretty high up in the corporate ladder. Um, I've had people flat out tell me to my face that I was crazy, that this was stupid. What are you doing? You're going to give all this up to do what? And, you know, and I'm not, um, I'm generally not a reckless person, right? To just kind of like, oh, I'm going to pack up my things and just forget about my responsibilities. I think you, I think it helps to have some kind of a plan as you're finding the courage and finding the way to say, okay, where is this going to lead me? And I think a lot of that also stems from your own personal ritual in terms of, you know, what is your spiritual practice? You know, how are you really anchoring yourself down? Because without those things, you could completely lose your mind, right? But I think having some pragmatic plans, so I knew what my financial situation was like. So I was able to take the risk, right? To say, I can do this for a year. And if um, all hell breaks loose, then I'll go back to work. <laughs> and one year out of my resume is not so bad. Um, but it's also, I didn't feel that it was right for me to, I don't know if I can swear here, but, but like to half-ass it, right? So I didn't want to like be in this corporate life and tr thrive in that and then try to start something here on the side. And so I'm all or nothing to say if this, if I'm really going to give this an honest go, then I need to put everything on the line, you know, and it's not easy. And I think it's, you know, you're definitely in a lot more of a sensitive position in your life because you're very susceptible to people's um, reactions and people's expectations of you and all eyes are on you. Uh, some people would hope for you to fail because of some selfish reasons. They want you back. Um, other people are more envious. Oh, that she actually get to you know, embark on this like entrepreneurship, right? And then there's other people that are genuinely true cheerleaders for you. And so there's so many moving parts, right? When you're about to make a life-changing decision, but this isn't just applicable to career. This is also in relationships. And so, um, you know, I, I would definitely say, yes, the first part was my courage to just go, let's do this. But then also at the second time, it's surrounding myself of the people that, you know, that believed in me. Mm -hmm. Having those cheerleaders, that's definitely important, especially when all the cards may not have landed where you may think, right? Or they're still up in the air, right? It's like luck of the draw kind of thing but you definitely had those key players. So tell our listeners, you know, we hear feng shui and in America, I'm sure there's some 
preconceived ideas of what feng shui is, what is the true meaning and definition of feng shui? If you could explain that to us. Yes. So there are a million and one misconceptions, but I'm going to give you the, the simplest definition of what feng shui is. So feng shui is not a magic, okay? It's not going to magically <laughs> fix all of life's messy challenges. Um, it's also not a one-time event where, oh, I just applied some feng shui knickknacks and then that's it. It'll fix everything. But it's also not a religion. So I'm Catholic, right? So obviously you're like, oh my gosh, like they contradict, but it's really not. If you look at feng shui, more of uh, like an information database, right? So it's kind of like you go to the doctor's every year to get blood work done so you can understand what's the state of my health and what areas I have to prevent and maybe, you know, spruce up a little bit. So I want you to think of feng shui as like that. Feng shui is your annual blood work for your house, for your environment. And essentially, it's just a modality to help you understand what is the state of my living environment, you know, what are the sensitive areas? Because we know that energy is omnipresent. It's everywhere. It's with us as humans. It's all in living things, but it's also circulating within our environment. So that's why when you apply that to, you know, you go into your house and you're like, gosh, why do I feel drawn to work in the kitchen, even though I have a home office, right? Or why do I feel like I can really rest in the living room? when I have a master bedroom. So all of these things, you know, feng shui is just a way to help us understand what is the energy? How is it speaking to us? And then with that understanding, how do I make better use of it? Mm -hmm. So that's feng shui. Mm -hmm. We've talked several times, Jenna and I, don't judge my home gym behind me, however. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in the ideal space right now. However, <laughs> we talk a lot about, you know, the power of your environment and you're a product of your environment and how your environment can energize you and soothe you. And I am one that loves, I, I can't even focus until things are in place. I have certain things in order, things are tidy. So I can clear my head in order to focus because you know, a messy house, a messy space is for me, a messy brain. And, um, we, we've had someone come on and talk about decluttering and organization and the power of that. How does this really take it to another level when it comes to your environment and the impact that has? So clutter has nothing to do with feng shui. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not a Marie Kondo thing. Um, and, and to your point, now you yourself, you need an organized, clean, structured environment because that's how your brain is able to process and get creative. Now, there are other people who actually function better in a very messy environment. So Albert Einstein, if you've ever seen pictures of his desk, and he's Einstein, okay? And he is a major clutter dude. Um and when you apply that psychologically, it really comes to, it, may, it should make you think that it's not a universal pill that would define what feng shui is. Because what, one, what works with one person may not necessarily work with another person. Remember, you're also an energy being. So the way that you would respond to the energy of your space is going to be unique right? Compared to the other person. And so I, that's why I always say decluttering is, it's good hygiene, you know, hey, it's all, I'm all for that. Uh, And I think everybody should have a, you know, organized house, but that's never, never one of the recommendations during a feng shui evaluation, because I have actually worked on houses that are a little bit messy, maybe kind of borderline, you know, messy and they're happy and thriving, right? And then I've seen really fancy houses immaculately clean and they're depressed and sad. So it's not just the aesthetics of your physical environment that's influencing you. Certainly that has a psychological impact, but that's not the true essence of what feng shui is. Remember what is feng shui? Feng shui is energy, you know? And yes, every item, you know, everything that you can see has an energetic influence, but it's not the end all be all. It's just half of the formula. When you're helping somebody with their space and you have two people that live there, you have to take into account both of their energy. Yes. Even what if, what do you do if they're totally opposite 
in the way that they I, I prioritize the one who needs more help. Got it. The one that's more sensitive because and and that we I think we will touch on that a little bit later is the bazi, right? Um, because when you're when you're your bazi is talking about your personal energy, and we understand that through your birth chart. So that's a Chinese way of, of charting astrology charts, so to speak. But you know, in feng shui, we traditionally say. If a person has a strong luck cycle, you leave them alone. You leave them alone because organically the universe or the energy or the elements are going to push them in the right direction. They will naturally be in the flow. It's just the way it is. But the person who has a little bit more of a weaker, more vulnerable, you know, bazi chart, because maybe they're coming into a difficult luck or a difficult year, those are the people that need extra help. And so that's how we would prioritize and manipulate the feng shui to support them. I love that. What are some other elements if someone were to consult with you? Can you walk us through like a brief overview on how this process works and what they could expect? Yeah, so it's it's pretty comprehensive. So um, generally, I always like to do the consultation in person because then I can see everything for myself. Although with COVID, we've been able to make some adjustments and I have a lot of clients um, overseas and in other parts of the state. But um, usually when I would come in um, and do a physical site visit, um, the client needs to provide a floor plan of the house because that's our way of understanding the, the physical configuration of the place. Um, and then I basically put a birth chart for the house, similar to putting a birth chart for the person. You're like, what? Birth chart for the house? Yes. Every house is a living creature and it has a birthday in terms of when it was constructed, what year, right? And the facing direction is also a key component. So I do my own thing with my feng shui compass to kind of, you know, derive the formula. And then I superimpose the, the natal chart of the house onto the floor plan. And then I just walk through the entire property with my clients, um, understanding how the rooms are being utilized, you know, and I can see for myself, um, what are the inherent configuration? Like, is there a stair, you know, stairs? Is there a gigantic window? Is there beams and things of that nature? And then I take into consideration how it's decorated, right? What color tones? Um, does it appear more yin or does it appear more yang, right? Does it really match with the functionality of the space? And it's all verbal, right? It's very interactive as we're going through that. And that's about an hour and a half. But I also include the Bazi reading for every single person that live inside the house. Because that's actually the first thing we do. Because I have to understand, who am I dealing with? You know, if there's like a mom, a dad, and two kids, like out of the four people, who is the one who needs major help right now? And when, if they're in trouble, where are they sleeping? Where are they working? You know, what's going on? So it's it's quite comprehensive. And so we look at the sort of the, the essence of the house. And then I also advise them on the changing energy, right? Because every year, every month, every day, energy changes, right? We're not going to go crazy and focus on every day, okay? Because we can't live like that. But at minimum, we can address the yearly energy, right? And so it's, um, it's very comprehensive, uh, sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming, but it at the end of the day, all of my clients sort of have this greater appreciation for their space to understand, oh, that's why I felt what I felt, you know, when I bought this house or, oh, I get it now why my son's acting that way. And it doesn't make excuses, but it just helps to put a lot of things in perspective and then in turn empower the person to say, I can do something about it. Right. I can make these subtle differences or subtle changes to support myself a little bit better. I love that piece of it because it ties kind of back into it's not about the clutter. It's not about the mess or the organization. It's about the energy. And then when you may feel out of control, you can organize and clean all you want, but you're still, you still may feel out of control. So it's getting on a deeper level of why and how these spaces and just from your presentation before, I remember you had, it was... I think it was the year of the pig and you kind of, you put like a, a configuration of a home and, and what it may look like. And I remember like frantically drawing like the layout of my house. I'm like, which space is going to have trouble this year? And, and it was 
fascinating. I think I even took a picture and sent it to Jenna. I was like, you did because yes, we yeah. have the same layout. <laughs> it's just reverse. It's you split. told me something like, you're like, the living room has the best energy this year. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> okay. I'll just move into the living room. <laughs> Don't you don't doesn't it make you wonder because, you know, especially if you've had your place for a while and you can say you can almost pinpoint to an exact year when you're like, you know what, all hell broke loose that year. You know, I got a flood, my laundry exploded, the plumbing went sideways, you know, and then you can also pinpoint the times when you're like, you know what, everybody got along. You know, I felt like I was really thriving and I was in the flow. Right. And so when you understand the formulas of classical feng shui, that's the beautiful part is I think maybe one of the biggest other biggest misconception about classical feng shui is people think it's like this soft thing. You kind of just like woo woo, kind of like feel it through. But remember what my background is. I was a forensic auditor, right? So the part of me is still very analytical. I like to see things black and white. And classical feng shui is exactly that. It's just a modality that's actually very mathematically driven. There are formulas to how you would calculate the movement of energy. And so we can use this as a forecasting tool to say, you know what, Lindsay, you know what, next year, we got to like take care of something, something, you know, Jenna, we got to like, you know, so that's how you're, you're cooperating with your environment at the same time, you know, you're not at the whim of fate to just be like, whatever, whatever happens, whatever goes. And then at times being this like crazy, I'm in control, but really at the end of the day, we're not in control of anything anyway, just certain things. Um, but that's what I mean by when you understand feng shui and bazi, the authentic way, and you incorporate sort of like my day-to-day decisions, which is my will. It's actually really fascinating. And, and I've seen it change people's lives because it's changed mine. I love that. Is there anything, um, I know this is extremely individual, but is there anything that applies based on the year? Like what Lindsay just said was the year of the pig. And I can't remember, I did a Bozzy reading with you and I can't remember what this year is. Um, the ox. The ox. Okay. Is there anything that applies to everybody based on the year or is it always on an individual basis, both in Bazi and Feng Shui? Both. The influences of the year has a general theme for the mass, right? So for example, we know with the year of the ox, because it's an earth element, we know that it applies to earth related things. Um, so an energy obviously goes beyond the four walls of your house. It can be applied on a macro level. So you can look at that from a neighborhood to a city, to a state, to the whole country. Okay. And it's very interesting when you do enough research that even mother nature, in, when we say mother nature, we, we correlate that with the weather. Okay. And mother nature is always doing stuff, right? There's always hurricanes or always stuff like that, but then there could be specific years where the frequency of that particular kind of weather disruption happens. So with this being the year of the ox, because it's an earth element, we know that we will run into some earth related stuff. And what's earth? Those are earthquakes. There's more sinkholes. There's buildings collapsing, bridges collapsing, you know, avalanches, um, tsunamis, even things of that nature. And then then you can correlate it more individually uh, as a whole in terms of health. Earth in Chinese medicine is the stomach. Right. And what is the stomach? It's our digestive system. It's also where it houses our faith and our confidence. Right. So confidence is in yourself. And you look at the world right now. Are we confident? Okay. And, feel like and, then you, <laughs> and then you talk about faith because faith is something that is something you can't see, but it's something that you entrust beyond yourself. And so when you look at humanity collectively, aren't we being called to have faith? You know, are we being called to surrender in some regard? And so you can look at that on a massive level, but then you can also apply that individually to yourself to say, well, how, how, how am I with my faith-based practice or how am I with my ability to trust right now? And then of course, when you get to the individual charts, then of course it's much, much more specific, but it's the same thing with feng shui. Like we know the Southwest direction is kind of a 
a boo-boo this year. You know what I mean? So that could be southwest of your house, southwest of your neighborhood, southwest of the country, you know? Like last year, the problematic um, star for feng shui was in the east. And if you put the, the energy chart of, the, of 2020 onto the map of the United States of America, like if you look at the map, like a, like a floor plan, and the misfortune star was in the east, What's the East? East is Washington, D.C. and New York City, right? And so you look at how, whoa, why is that happening? You know, all of that can be correlated both at the macro and at the micro level. I just think all of that is fascinating. It really is. So cool. It is so cool. My When Jenna and I both have had a Bozzy reading and my, I, I was blown away just at the accuracy of what Jen could I guess, I don't know even how to put it, pick up, read about, you know, even my history and what years were problematic and um, years that were significant in my life. And then going forward, what that, what this, what these future years look like. And um, I don't know, there's something was so reassuring and insightful, but you feel, you do, you feel a little more reassured in your decisions. Like you have that backing, like, no wonder, I, like you said, no wonder I'm feeling this way. Um, and it makes sense why this is showing up for me this year or this month. And let's talk about Bozzy then for, let's dig into that. Cause I think this was, you brought this up in the meeting a couple years ago and I finally got around to doing it. And I wish I hadn't waited so long. I've referred it to a couple of my clients and I, they've had tremendous feedback. I signed up Kyle, my husband. I was like, you got to do this. <laughs> so Bozzy for all. Okay. So let's talk about it. What is it? Tell us all the good things. <laughs> Yeah, and you had a very interesting birthday because you were your your birthday is considered uh, it falls on a black box day. You know, it's when the month transitions, so we have to calculate it manually. I was very concerned. I was like, "Wait, this isn't my you day." A little bit more work, and that's the beautiful thing is that it still requires you know the, a human to actually make the manual calculation because no software can take it everything into consideration. So Bazi, it's just, um, it's not quite like an astrology reading. I wouldn't even call it an astrology reading. Um, the more accurate definition is called destiny reading. But you know, the, the minute you start throwing the word destiny in, in the West, you know, people start freaking out. Um, but you know, it's like astrology because it is based on your birthday. But I always sort of describe it as like, like you're a book, you know, when you were born, you're like a book. And you have, you know, every book has a book cover and the book cover doesn't change, you know, whether you're in chapter one or chapter 18. And so Bazi is really talking about your essence as a person. So you may evolve and grow and have different experiences. You can get hurt. You can feel joy. But the essence is still an essence. Like a person who's generous, they're always going to be generous. Right. And so that's the cover of the book. But the the I would say the meat of the Bazi reading, it's really understanding what chapter you're in in your book, right? And so sometimes a chapter is like exciting, and then other times like a roller coaster ride, and other times like a horror story, you know. And the the advantage that I see with Bazi is that it can be all about understanding the timing of things, which is why when I look at a person's Bazi chart, I can go to them and say, hey, how is 2013? <laughs> I'd be like, why do you ask that? Because it's so clear. Everything is just learning about the timing of events. So can you imagine, you know, my teacher, Grandmaster Lowe says, we should not fear it because it's just looking at yourself and you yourself is like a, a, a database right? A data bank full of information about this life. And if you were to learn more about yourself and the timing of it, then wouldn't you use it to adjust your decisions and your reactions? Because I think, you know, one of the things that I would say is a, uh, one of the biggest dichotomy with, you know, the philosophy of Eastern and Western. I think in the Western world, we're all about the hustle, you know, be boss babe, just push now, do everything, have it all figured out. And you always need to be showcasing what you're doing, right? Even as I'm saying that, that's very yang, you know, yang, because it's all output. But in the Eastern um, way of thinking, there is a deep appreciation for the yin, 
right? Yin is all about retreating and thinking and dreaming and getting inspired. It's similar to you needing to go to bed at night so that you can come out refreshed the next day. So when a lot of my clients, particularly when it comes to business, right? It's like, gosh, I'm taking all these mastermind classes. I'm spending all this money. I'm hustling this way. I'm just not there, right? And then I look at their chart and I'm like, honey, you gotta slow down, you know? And that makes people really confused because you start to compare yourself to others, but other people have their own timing. And that's the same in your personal life. You know, you have women that get married at 23, and then you have women who are 50 going, when am I going to get married? Right. And then you start to create these stories and essentially become diseases, right? Because you start to think it needs to look this certain way, but guess what? Your book Your book is already defined in terms of timing. So if I know I still have a couple more years before X, Y, and Z comes to fruition, what then should I do in the meantime to make that even more productive, to make that even more meaningful, right? And then other times you look at Mark Zuckerberg's body chart. I mean, he went from zero to 60. So that's why he was Mark Zuckerberg at 19. And then you have Oprah Winfrey, And uh, Walt Disney, they didn't come to fruition in terms of the height of their success until they were in their mid-40s. So there's no right or wrong way, but I think that is probably one of the biggest takeaways that people get by learning their Bazi to say, everything does have a place, you know, a season for everything. Just like we have a season for sadness and challenges. So same thing. If if you come and have a reading with me and I tell you something's coming up, it's not to create more fear or to self-prophesize for that. But it's taking an honest examination in your life to say, well, where am I lacking? You know, what am I lacking in my life? If that's ahead, that's the road ahead, then how can I humble myself enough to ask myself, what do I need? You know, how do I really better support myself so that the challenging road ahead doesn't feel so difficult? And then at the same time, it's the same with, you know, if you're full speed ahead, you know, because you get a lot of people that say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm scared. I'm not good enough. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't have all the tools, but sometimes, you know what, when you're in a flow and you're in a momentum, there's nothing stopping you. So again, that's like one of those things that you have to like turn your, turn it around and say, I have to do, this is my time, right? This is my time. Yeah. I, I remember um, during my Bozzy reading, I guess next year is a, is it fire? Is that the year where you're like, you like, yes, the beginning well, of I guess fire it depends on your, it depends on what you are. I'm yin wood. So you tell me I'm very wet and I need fire. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to 2022. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yes. The, the year of the tiger, yeah. uh, the tiger is the beginning of the fire. It's the birthplace of fire. And uh, it's really, really good, especially for you. You know, we, we say and we hear a lot, you know, when you when you know better, you do better. And not everyone does that. We may know better and we still don't do the things that we know we need to. And so when you have a Bozzy reading, you know, looking at the previous years or if Jen says, you know, what happened in this year? And that really resonates, right? There's that chapter that showed up that, you know, correlates with your experience. You have that backing. So looking at today, looking at the present and looking at your future chapters and what those could look like, what that could entail, you know, you're more grounded. And then now you have some evidence based on your previous chapters, looking at the future. It's like, okay, now this makes sense. Now I have, now I know better. And now I know I can do better because this is all lining up for me. This is, this is the path I need to be on. Yeah, you know, and and I think in in our um, day and age, we put a lot of negative, um, you know, some negativity in in our past, right? We're all about just move forward, just let it go. And let's just full steam ahead. But that's the beautiful thing. Even when I do a Bonzi reading, I don't forecast the future until we've talked about the past. Because you lived in it. You knew, you know what it felt like to be in that grief, or you knew what to feel when you were feeling like you were a failure or you made a mistake. And so if I can help you to understand that that was actually all part of the plan, and that's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't say that, you know, lightly, because 
it can be as traumatic as losing a child, right? Or being physically abused. And, but all of that is also shown in a person's chart, right? But that's, you need to heal from the past in order to pull out the nuggets, you know, the treasures of that in order for you to understand what is it that I need to do to change my ways or to incorporate that now for when I move forward in whatever it is that I'm trying to endeavor. And so I think there is definitely um, so much to understanding our past, but to also understand, and, and that can also mean like, you know, some people they walk around with a gigantic you know, chip on their shoulders because they were orphans and they felt like maybe somebody did something or something. And sometimes it's just the cards that were dealt with. And so are you going to choose to be resentful and bitter about it? Or you're just going to be like, you know what, that's the cross I have to carry right now in this life. But that can also be the key message or the key purpose of how I need to move forward. And, you know, it's it's not easy, but it's so beautiful, you know, and I think our, our past is the greatest teacher. You know, a beautiful thing about elements, I'll tell you this, and energy, it doesn't discriminate, okay? Doesn't care if you're rich, poor, okay, all the things. Um, it doesn't care about your choices at all. It's coming at you equal force, doesn't care. But the thing that's different is how you choose to respond to it. So let's say, Lindsay, I say, you know what, 2013, the year of the snake, the snake is just bad juju, period. So you got to watch out for the snake year. But guess what? Every 12 years is the year of the snake. But you could be like, you know what, I had a different experience with the snake this year. Why? Because you have awareness. There's breath to it now. And you are able then to make different choices than you did 12 years ago or 24 years ago. So that's the beautiful part about Bazi that's super tangible because it's you. You know what I mean? It's, it's you, you, your mind, your body, your soul. And as you said, you're the only one that's experienced that and lived it. So taking that and I, I, I love that you mentioned the healing part. Um, because healing looks different for everyone. The time that it takes to heal is unique for most, I'm sure. And those nuggets that you uncover, you may not be able to see until that healing is complete, right? But identifying, is there healing or maybe it's just your circumstance that you're going to have to overcome and it's just now a part of your story. And, and that's actually a really beautiful way of putting that because you know, sometimes when life deals us with like something, we start to think that that's the truth, that that has become our truth. Like, oh my gosh, this is who I am now as a result of this trauma or as a result of this experience. At times, it's not true. Sometimes it's just a bump on the road. And it's just something that you have to learn to cope and to overcome. And then other times what you're experiencing is actually a habit, it's actually ingrained in you. That's part of your essence. And that happens a lot with addiction, right? Or, you know, addiction can also mean self-judgment. Like I'm just so obsessed at judging myself, um, where I penalize myself, where I self-sabotage myself. That's a habit, right? And so that's the beautiful part about Bazi is I'm able to see, is it just like part of the road, you know, that they're on? Or is this something deeper? It's something that they were born with. And because of their environment, you know, their relationships, maybe it exacerbated it. That was really helpful for me to, um, during my experience with Bozzy was, I was, why well, I say this often on this podcast that we can't personal develop ourselves out of being human. And there are certain things I think we feel like if we just read the next book or we just do the next thing, we're going to figure it out. And life is going to be so much better over here versus over there. And then, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this is just part of, this is just who I am. It's not something I need to fight against anymore. It's just something that I can say, okay, this is my essence. This is how I was born. This is the way I am. And now what can I do about that? What are some tools and things that I can utilize in my life um, to like give myself a break mentally or whatever it ends up looking like. But I love that because I think a lot of times we sit here and fight against parts of ourselves that are, it's completely unnecessary. And it causes us more of a headache to just sit there and fight against these parts of ourselves because we think that there's something inherently wrong with us. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, that's so true. I actually say that a lot when I, you know, talk about Bazi or when I'm teaching is that some people can say, I don't need, I don't need that. Um, I know who I am. And that can be true. You know who you are, but you're also biased <laughs> because <laughs> you live in your brain. You live in your mind, you know, day in and day out. And, you know, sometimes I'd look at a chart and I'd say, actually, you're very stubborn. You know, you're, you're very inflexible. And I think it, it, and it could be true, or they could say, I'm, I'm actually very flexible. And then their spouse say they're, they're not flexible, you know? And so Bazi in terms of the energetic configuration of a person's chart is so um, objective. You know what I mean? It, 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 it has no correlation as to where you came from and, and all that. Certainly circumstances play a role, but I think that's the beautiful part is when you come and have a Bazi reading, it's it's this genuine curiosity. I think it starts out with that, but it's a sincere interest in really learning about yourself objectively, you know, objectively and having the courage to accept, you know, parts of yourself. And, and that's a hard pill to swallow. And sometimes we get on sort of this bandwagon of I need to fix it. Sometimes you don't need to fix it. You just need to accept it and use it <laughs> in a way that is meaningful and productive. So it, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I love the fact that you can take, you know, what you would consider a weakness and make it your strength somehow just by turning your perception around on it. It just... And giving yourself what you need instead of fighting against what you thought it should be. It just makes so much sense. And I mean, that goes to say the same for strengths, right? So a person can be born with a lot of intelligence, which we, we like intelligence. We like someone clever and articulate and well-presentable, but they can go overboard and become abrasive and aggressive and thoughtless, right? Insensitive. So it's the same for, that's why there is no really such thing as a good or bad. It's all a matter of how, okay, this is, this is my plate of food. <laughs> how do I make it, you know, so that it's delicious, even if it's just whatever, or it's like an abundance of food. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even eat chicken, you know, um, but how do I make use of it? So that's the same for, for weaknesses. And I help a lot of client through some of <laughs> your laughing with you. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think of this plate of food and it's like, you got to make it your own, right? And I'm like, let's just make it a taco. Let's just make it a taco. That's all it needs. <laughs> That's the easiest way to eat all of that at one time. Let's just make it delicious. <laughs> anyway, I think it goes back to what Jenna said, and I might repeat kind of what we were saying, but that resistance to yourself and having you know, having that battle, wasting that energy on the things that you may be focusing on and shifting your focus. So it's not your weakness, but how can you leverage that? But shifting your focus rather than focusing on that one thing, the thing that's causing you to be frustrated, the things that's causing you to, you know, manifest difficult relationships or trouble at work, you know, let, how can we shift that focus? Because we get so honed in on something and it's like, we get stuck so kind of breaking free yeah. of that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because I used a phrase, we all have our come to Jesus moment. <laughs> you know, it's like the aha, you know what I mean? Um, Where it happens to all of us. Sometimes it happens at a younger age. Sometimes people think it's a midlife crisis. Um, other times it happens at much later in life. There's really no right or wrong way. But I always try to tell my clients, I say, why wait? until you're faced with the come to Jesus moment. Because when you're at the come to Jesus moment, it's like you're at the crossroad. You're already there at the fork, right? And the choices are hard pressed. They're in your face. And that's when a lot of people fall into depression and they sort of self-sabotage, right? Because they're like, oh my gosh, I missed the signs. I missed it all along in this journey. And so I think we as a culture, why are we experiencing this in terms of like, why am I always so zoomed in on my weaknesses? It's because we haven't paid attention through the journey. And that's part of like, you know, and I've worked with clients for over 10 years. So I've seen the best of version of themselves and I've seen the ugliest, right? And 
the whole process of of having that long term relationship is being able to guide them throughout to say, you know what, it's still two years away. You don't have to make a decision today. But these are some of the things that will be proposing itself in the future. So you have to start to like just think. You know, not panicking. We don't. We don't need to panic. But these are just some things to begin the journey of reflection and the, the examination, so that when you do get to that point, it's not like this. Oh my gosh, I've lost control of my life. <laughs> you know, and so. But I think you know, in my opinion. A lot of us are at the fork in the road. You know, when you come to get a Bazi reading, or when you go talk to a therapist, or when you go to talk to a spiritual director, you're already there, and you're kind of like your hands are your hands up are up in the air because we haven't paid attention. And I think that a lot of that is cultural. Um, so yeah, much mm-hmm. to say. Well, it goes back to the thing. It's like suck it up. We got to do more. We just got to keep going. And you, you, sometimes we just can't. And at that point, when we get closer to that crossroads, being proactive becomes more challenging because we're so consumed. Yeah. yeah. And I was just sitting here thinking, I need to do another one of these. Yeah. And I want to do one for Avery. So so I can see what year she was born in and, and you know, kind of what her life may present so we can be proactive, right? I don't know. I think it's... Yeah, because, you know, it's so funny um, in Asian families, you know, they this is, I can say it, I'm Asian, but they all want their kids to be doctors, you know, like professional, high corporate, whatever, whatever. It's very rare that they want like a, an artist child, you know, like a painter. I feel like that's, I feel like that's not just Asian people. I think that's like everybody. They're like, oh my God, oh, you came you're coming home from college and you want to be an artist. Oh, great. God I, save know. Us. I know. I know. And, and, uh, but I, I'm zooming in on my people, but, um, you know, and I look at a child's chart and it's so interesting. You you have parents, right? And they could have multiple babies and they all have their own little quirks and personalities. And even though they're being raised in the same household, you know, same values, same environment, like why did one kid end up being a mountain kid? <laughs> like one kid becomes like, you know, a lawyer. Um, it's all part of their essence. And so I actually do a lot of coaching for parents that want to understand their children this way to just be like, okay, how can I better support this one? Like maybe this one needs more sports, you know, or maybe this kid just needs more academic, you know, maybe they need a little bit more mama time. And then other times some children are very independent from their parents. And it's, it's actually all about the parents to be like, listen, it's not about you. Your kid doesn't need you as much as you need the child. So you're going to have to do your own internal work to come to realize to be a better parent, I need to honor what that child needs, right? More so than what I need as a parent. And so I think that's the, that's one of the fun ways, you know, and also very um, eye-opening sessions is when I get to do the chart of an entire family. I love doing that. It's so much work, but it's so cool because I get to understand the dynamic, right? Much, much clearer to be like, oh, who's a little bit like oil and water over here and who's a little bit more, you know, um, I call it attached, you know, or sticky. And so I think it's, there's benefits to it in, in every way, even within families to be like, and I have a lot of women that go, I don't get along with my mother-in-law. And then I look at the husband's chart. It's like, it's actually not really you. It's whoever is his spouse, whoever is his spouse. You just happen to be his spouse. So it's really, so now the whole time the wife is thinking I'm the dumb one. I'm the ugly one. I'm the worthless one that married his almighty son, you know, but it's actually not. So we've created this story out of nothing. And so Bazi can help to hopefully kind of pull out some of the false ideas. I love that. I never thought of it for kids, but I think that's, if I were a parent, that would be, I mean, I'm curious what you find out, Lindsay. Oh, I can't wait. Because like, I love that you're just, the thing that you pointed out about that part of it was just kind of like honoring who they are instead of trying to force them to become what you want them to be. Um, And I think like that's just an overarching theme of parenthood. You know, we, I'm not a parent, um, but I see it a lot where parents will try to make their kids kind of assume their unrealized potential or their dreams and stuff. And 
Um, I just think it's, I think that's such a cool thing to highlight is that it can be, it can kind of point out these dynamics between even your extended family, even your married, you know, your marital family. So good. Yes. Making something out of nothing. And then with the kiddos, you know, we're not living vicariously through our kids, ensuring that we are giving them what they need. And Kyle and I are very different. We parent very differently. I love your term sticky. He's more sticky. I am very like, we're fine. We're all fine. Okay. I told you I loved you last week. What do you want from me? And that was probably me being a very independent only child, but, um, Who knows, but just to see Avery, because she is her own little human, and she's so fascinating to see as she kind of is able to voice her opinions and express her personality more readily. I'm really excited to to share that um, or to learn that and to share that experience with Kyle, too, so we can be more enlightened, so to say. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, as uh, I, I too am not a parent, but but you know, I feel that as parents, it's, it's our responsibility to lay the foundation, right? To lay the groundwork and to be consistent and to love um, and to guide. You know, I think that's also important, but to guide in a way that isn't to direct, right? To direct, like you got to go this way. And I think there's a lot you know, with coaching with parents that they actually do a lot. So a lot of reflection of themselves through their children. Right. And so that's why when I do uh, Bazi readings for children, it, it's like it, they, I think parents inadvertently make it about themselves. Like, Oh, I did this. or I messed up. With this. And I'm like, well, well, wait, you know? So if you have a child, like, I don't know your, your baby's um, birthday, but if she happened to be very independent, for example, how old is she? She's four. Okay. So let's say she's already showing, exhibiting independence. And maybe in her chart, she is that way. And you're like, but she's four. Like, of course you have to protect her. Of course you have to lay the groundwork to be like, these are the boundaries. You can't cross it. But there are ways to arrange the relationship where I don't want to use the word manipulate, but um, but it's to create sort of this, <laughs> this relationship where she feels that she is independent, but you're still very much present. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of parents are so fearful of that, that you start to smother and you start to like control and overbearing when the child starts to rebel. Now they're four. And then can you imagine when they're 16, 23? And so I think it's just really recognizing how, what is their personality and how do they really respond and how can I work with that? So it probably works for spouses too, I'm assuming. A hundred percent. Anything with relationships, you know. That's why Master Lowe said, if everybody learned Bazi, there would be more peace in the world. Because we would just be like, you know, I accept. You know, if you accept the way you are and you ex- and I accept the way I am with the intention of knowing that I can always grow, that I can always do better, and that I can utilize my gifts in a different way, we would just accept each other. There would be no self-judgment and there would be no cross-judgment with each other. But one can hope. <laughs> well, we're starting. We're starting here and letting everybody yeah. know. My guess is there's, it's just not, I, I didn't know about this until Lindsay told me about it a few years ago because she saw you at the funeral, funeral. summit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's a lack of awareness and a lack of understanding that, I mean, I was going to joke earlier that we all kind of look at is Mercury in retrograde.com to find out if Mercury's in retrograde because if everything is going to shit, then it, it must be, you know? Um, and so like, maybe we have like this other tool that we can use where we don't have to just go to that dumb website to see if the planet's in retrograde and see if like, there's something else, there has to be something more. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my gosh. oh it's yeah. so funny. You know, the running joke. It's just funny. Because, you know, even when we talked about looking at our past, like individually, we can look at our past as a society because everything is just a cycle. Everything is a repeating cycle, just like the season, you know, it's spring, summer, fall, winter, repeat, repeat, repeat. And that's the same thing. So when we, when we apply the knowledge of feng shui and bazi from a forecasting perspective, we can see when turbulence will happen, you know, when conflict will be at its most 
you know, climactic stage. And then when the sort of the new invention and new life and energy start to come in. And so I think people, when you don't have a solid grasp, and again, I go back to your personal ritual. And then on top of that, you don't have a solid grasp of how things work. That's when people feel completely helpless and you get very, very um, ill as a result of that. But so it's the same thing, you know, with Mercury retrograde, I hear it, you know, and some people do just fine on Mercury retrograde. So it's not, it's not necessarily like a global thing, but I think some people are probably more sensitive to it. Yeah. It's just kind of like a joke. Like if shit's hitting the fan, you're probably gonna, it's probably happening, but I love that we can hopefully get more people, you know, understanding what Bozzy is and that it is a tool for them to use. And both Lindsay and myself found it extremely helpful and enlightening. And um, if you do love to learn about yourself in a, on a deeper level and you're not afraid to kind of peel back the layers and, and what Jen was saying, kind of see your past and kind of see the future. And um, I do think it it grounds you. It kind of gives you something to stand on versus kind of feeling like you're floating and you're being tossed around and you're at the mercy of everything. And like you said, we, we can't control much truly, but if we have at least some self-awareness, we can be at least weather the storms and we can be a little bit stronger, have more faith, rely on other people to get us through harder times and plan for it. You know, instead of just like fingers crossed, like white knuckling life sometimes is kind of how it feels. Or like start, you know, I don't know, like I'm, I'm making a gesture here. Like, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Kind of like putting some magic. Yeah. Potion. Yeah. Like, let's get the spell book. Let's figure it out. So, so how often do you think that people should do a Bozzy reading? Is it like a every year, every quarter, every month? Yeah, that's a That's a great question. So of course, as newbies, I would say people who don't have a whole lot of stuff going on in their lives would do it once a year. But I feel like nobody really has that. <laughs> so, um, you know, and and first of all, I, and I'm sure Lindsay and you, Jenna, can attest to this. Like the first reading can be a little bit overwhelming because there's a lot of new terminologies and a lot of new things. So it takes a bit of time to process that. Um, but I work with a, a lot of clients that do it on a more um, consistent basis. And we kind of formulate it almost like a life coaching with the element of the energy kind of embedded in that. So for example, if you are getting ready to launch a business, you may schedule um, a Bozzy session once a month or once every couple of months. And we get to zoom in very, very particular to the season and to the month to be like, hey, what are you doing? And we create an action plan, right? To say, okay, if if May and June are X, Y, and Z, then that's when you need to launch your website. This is when you need to have more connections. And then the next time you schedule, you know, kind of go back and say, how did you perform? Or maybe this is the month where you need to hold back, take a step back, take it easy. And so that's when people, the more you become familiar with it, the more you start to pay attention, right? To say, oh, so that's how the horse day impacts me. Or that's why my nobleman, you know, the nobleman in terms of how people are helping me really manifest. If I know that ahead of time, then maybe that's when I'll schedule all of my sales meeting, or maybe that's when I'll go to a networking event, or maybe that's a day I'm going to do a presentation, right? So it becomes a lot more tangible for you to work with every day rather than this abstract thing to similar to what Jenna is saying, like just kind of crossing your fingers and hope it all works out. It's so much more than that. Um, that's the beauty of Bazi. So I, I would say at least once a year, most of my clients do it twice a year. They do a beginning of the year checkup and before the end of the year. But if you have a lot of stuff going on in your life or in your work, I would say try to do a more consistent um, Bazi reading. Awesome. So good. I can't wait to get Avery's done. And I even asked Kyle, I said, how was yours? And he didn't divulge much information. I'm like, what should I know that you're not telling me? <laughs> but anyway, it's, um, it is, it's so insightful. And I encourage all of our listeners connect with Jen, reach out, learn more. You know, it's, it's time well spent and you're going to love the outcome. And, you know, it's just done over 
a Zoom call, you get to record it. So, you know, if you miss information, you get to go back and re-listen and really take it all in and be able to apply that. So thank you, Jen, for being here. It's been tremendous getting to connect again. You're just a light in this world and I just adore you. So thank you. Well, thank you, ladies. It's, it, well, first of all, I want to say it was a pleasure reading your charts because I think it takes a, um, a level of humility, you know, to let yourself be so vulnerable that way, um, to allow another person to really see kind of the, the nooks and the crannies, right? The light and the darkness. And so it takes a lot of courage for people to do that. And second of all, I love what you ladies are doing. And it's such a pleasure to be here and just to chit chat and share and hopefully share more good vibes in this world. We love that. Where can people find you? Like you do this. So you mentioned that it's nice to do feng shui in person, but Aussie, you can do from, for you know anybody. We have listeners all over the place. So they can yeah. definitely do a Bozzy reading with you from wherever they yes. are. Yes. Um, they can find me on Instagram. My handle is feng shui by Jen or on my website, www.fengshuibyjen.com. Perfect. And that's, you can actually schedule right on her website, a Bozzy reading. So it's really easy. Well, we might have you back. Yes. Maybe for the new year. That would be a good one. Don't do resolution in January, for goodness sake. (laughs) January is still the previous year juju, you know, because our calendar begins on February 4th. Oh, I like that better. Yeah. Yeah. That first month is just a waste. It's a wash. Jenna always says, she's like, this is the longest month ever. I'm like, who, who came up with it? It always goes by so fast for me, but she's like, it's the longest month ever. Then she says it. Then I see other people saying it. I'm like, I don't understand this, yeah. but it's true. Maybe it's just the Chinese new year coming up and it's trying to, there we go. It's dragging on. Who knows? All right. Well, thank you, Jen. We appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.